All right, welcome everyone. We have another very special episode of Big Free. This is the fourth edition. We got, of course, Ryan Rass and join us today, Phil Galfon, the man, the myth, fresh off a brand new PLO course he's developed. Phil, what's going on? Not too much, Jeff. Good to be on. It's good to be on. I know we just did our own thing on the side. Now we're big free. We got Rast in here. Rasty, what's going on? What do you got going on, Rast? You got it's like Kobe. You got a, you got a tribute in the background. You look fresh. You look like you hit your cold plunge, did your weights, and you're ready to go, man. Where where are you? Are you in Brazil? Give it to us. What's going I'm, on? I'm in the U.S., but yeah, man, I've been uh, healthier than I've been for a while. I'm, I'm working out regularly and doing all that. Like life is good. Very good. And Rast and I, you know, I, I, people are here. They want to hear from Phil, though. Phil, what have you been up to? Give us what's going on in the new year. I know you got the new PLO course. You're a dad. You, there's a lot I've seen been happening in the news with you. So give us like your your real quick 2022. What's been happening? Yeah, I mean, um, really, I mean, kind of sums it up. The, the course took a lot of time and energy. Uh, so I spent a lot of time recently on this PLO course. I've um, we so with with Runner One's Poker, we shut down rest of world operations and we're on a path towards the U.S. market. And so that that took a lot of my focus in 2021. And I mean, it's, we'll continue to. Um, and then I, I'd really like in the next couple months to get back to playing from poker, but I need to find some some challengers. I, I, I really love heads up uh, poker so much. And so um, I'm hoping that that, you know, with the coursework dying down and things getting a little more stable. Um, yeah, I can find some action and, and play some more challenges because it's been a little while. So about that, because I, I actually did a real brief like, hey, Phil Galfon search. I'm about to talk with him. So I saw that in the news. It made the poker news. What can I ask like what happened with that? Like why? Why did that happen in terms of, you know, I mean, I'm did you elect to do this or was it some kind of regulation thing that made you made you guys do it at run at once or what? I mean, in short, in short, the path we were on was not working as we hoped. And so is, is I would say, a pivot um, to – so, so I have, <laughs> I'm, I'm dancing around a little bit because there are some details I'm holding back uh, intentionally. And uh, I can't share quite yet, but can share probably in, in the coming month. Um, but in short, the – you know, like we, we were not growing – at the rate that I that we needed to in the rest of the world market, um, and we needed to do something different. And it didn't necessarily have to be the U.S. path, but um, but it's what we ended up deciding on. Okay, cool. I will say I love the Jungle Man videos, <laughs> so they're they're awesome. So I, props for those. I gotta I gotta I gotta just kind of dive in on this because it's super fascinating. I mean, I've done some podcast building. Rast and I have struggled to get off the ground even to organize a podcast because of the scheduling <laughs> in general. How do you tell me about like what you've learned though from doing this? Because I mean, this is a this is a real blow, full blown company, laws, regulations, lawyers, team development, the whole deal. So I think without I want you to hear from you, but I would imagine you've learned a lot and and probably you know it was a it was a full blown experience. You know, looking back right. on this this journey, what what maybe are the biggest takeaways that you would say are a positive? from this man that's that's a that's a you're absolutely right that i've learned so much um and it's a tough question to to kind of um pull out you know one or two things that, that i've learned but i think i don't know it's just crazy i because we started running once training a decade ago 
and um, were pretty successful right away. And it, it wasn't like a difficult business. Um, kind of, I think, gave, at least for me, gave me a, a, a false sense of confidence in my abilities as a businessman. Um, because, you know, we, we built a, I think, a, the best product on the market. In the, in, the, in the training space, and then people showed up. Vouch. Yeah. Yep. And so Vouch. what happened, I, I think my biggest learning is that, like, you know, you hear about product-focused companies and product-focused founders, and we absolutely are a product-focused company. Um, I think my biggest learning is that, you know, in most businesses, like, what we experience with one ones training is actually really rare. You, you make a fantastic product, you don't spend any money on marketing, and just people show up. Like that's, that's not how most businesses work. And um, yeah. I, I guess what I learned is, I mean, I, I don't regret being product focused in, in general, it's just how I am and how we are, but it's not, it's not always going to be enough. It's often not going to be enough. And um, there, yeah, there's, there's so many other elements that you have to get right. And um, yeah, that, that's my biggest learning. And I think, yeah, I, I'm struggling to like come up with very quick, uh, yeah, you know, one line. Right. It is. I mean, it's they're yeah. probably just in your head, you're thinking, like, man, this is there's so many. It's like you're talking about a couple departments, but there's literally there's who knows. I mean, with the total amount of people involved. I mean, even run it once, if you could maybe talk about that too, because that has been like longer and, and more you know, direct and focused and learning. Like what what has been, you know, how many people like give me the run at once, like how many people are part of that team that go in? I mean, there's articles, there's news, there's website development, there's there's instructors, so there's a lot there too. Now, how many people actually go into making Run It Once a course currently they're under? And how's that grown over the years? Yeah. Run It Once tra training has, I mean, we've grown a little bit in size, but not that much. I mean, right now, uh, I hope I don't forget anybody, but, um, you know, we have a couple of video editors. We have um, two two full-time developers. Um, we have one full-time designer. Um, and then we have a team of, not including myself, five. Um, and, and this kind of miscellaneous, you know, operations, essentially, this is, um, marketing, customer service, um, managing pros, hiring pros. Um, I think probably the biggest, I think one of the things that we did really well early on was we, we had full-time people who were, who were focused on recruiting pros. Um, and I think a lot of times, you know, sites would a training site, like you contact people that you've heard of and that's about it. But like, we were researching who were the best players, who are the best players at four, at, at 400 NL and, you know, how do we reach them? And like Facebook stalking them and trying to find out ways to contact people. And some people were like, how did you get my contact info? But it was, <laughs> it, was it was, you know, important to us to, that we find the best pros. Um, and so that's, that's. That's one thing early on that I think set us apart. But yeah, it's it's a it's it's a nice, enjoyable um, business that you know because you know we have relatively high priced product at hundred dollars a month is our kind of core offering, and then we have some some high priced courses. Obviously, we have twenty five dollars a month for essential, but a lot of the people who are willing to to pay that much to work on their poker game have heard of us um, just you know through me or just other people using run at once training. And so it's not as we, we didn't really face the challenges of growing brand awareness um, like you do in most businesses. Absolutely. Um, 
I, I have a bit of a question as somebody who a while ago used to, I mean, I even made videos for the site, but as somebody who used to study poker a lot more, I mean, it was, it was a lot different and I haven't really been on there much recently, not doing that much studying, but I think back in the day, a lot of studying was kind of more based on say people's opinions, right? Like the tools were a lot simpler. I'm not saying there weren't tools, but you know, I mean, I think they were pretty simple and of like dubious value, really. Whereas like once solvers came out, like that they're actual tools that are at least try to approximate GTO given constraints. But like the thing is, they're pretty complicated to use and interpret. So, you know, I mean, I'd imagine at least for me, if I wanted to try to learn today and, and get involved, like training, uh, not just training and, and listening to guys in opinion and like breaking down hands, but even somebody who's kind of breaking down like, oh, hey, this is how you use PO Solver and like some of the features or, you know, whatever. I mean, I'm sure there's a bunch of other tr trainers and tools. So uh, are, is some of that available? Like, are guys doing that? Yeah, I'd say there be like software demo or, you know, tutorial. Those are few and far between, but they exist. But you yeah. still kind of get it because the coaches just, I mean, they to, to make their videos, they use whatever tools they use in yeah. real life um, to study. And so you do get people walking through, um, yeah, how they like setting up a SIM and, and running it and then the, the outputs and then how they break it down, like what features they like to use to, to learn from it. Um, and like you said, there are a lot of other tools um, that people, you know, get similar info from. I think for, for a little while, I was nervous about, you know, what the, the rise of, of solvers meant for the business of training videos in general, because, you know, there are answers. So like the old videos 10 years ago are like, this is what I think you should do here. And this is what seems like a good play. Um, and now there are actual answers, but I think what, what I've learned since studying solvers is that there's just so much, there's too much to extract from them. Um, and so, so not only, I think it's a couple of things. Not only does it help to have really strong players explaining what they take from it and, and kind of, you know, sharing heuristics that you can actually process with your human mind, um, because we, we can't do what a solver does uh, when it figures all these things out. Um, I think that's really useful. And the other thing is, I think that it's a really nice complement to solver study to not just have people explaining what they take from solvers, but actually watching, still watching them play, watching them think through again with their human minds, um, how to play spots, because that's what you have to do at the end of the day in game is, is think through with your, with our measly human brains. And, uh, and also I find that for myself, at least I still learn, like I, I learn through video watching more than anything else, even still. Um, it's probably closer to 50-50 now, solver tools and, and video watching, but it's but it's still both. And it's because because of those things, but also because I only have so many hours in a day that I can be actively learning or playing or doing work to, until my, my brain can't handle it and I'm not performing well. And I I really enjoy passive learning for that reason, that that I'm I'm processing things, I'm learning things, but it's not exhausting my, you know, capacity to, to play later. Uh, 
Have you done any of those throwback videos? Have you gone back and looked at some 10 year ago PLO and then put it into like a solver now and see how you, how you matched up or if you were just spot on or uh, have you ever even looked or, or seen some throwbacks where you were like, wow, that's just wrong or that's dead on? I haven't. I, I remember like a year ago, I looked at a, like a five-year-old video, uh, like footage that I recorded and talked through it, but I wasn't plugging it into the solvers in the meantime. So no, it would be really interesting. I'm sure. I mean, we made a ton of mistakes. Probably though, probably didn't play as badly as we think, except for the fact that we didn't utilize a lot of bet sizes that we should have. But I would bet that we did better than we might might imagine with right. the bet sizes that we used. Right. And certainly ahead of its time and, 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 and yeah, cutting edge. So very, very cool. Uh, what is, what is a focus for you coming up this year now that you maybe, you know, have some more time uh, on your hands, like you, you built this course, which is super interesting. And as you said, kind of a work in progress, already 70 plus hours, maybe get up to a hundred, getting feedback on that. But is there, is there any other kind of, you seem like a man of projects, you know, you build a course, you build sites, like what, what is next for you? You're absolutely right. I am a man of projects. Um, what I want it to be is um, is some heads up challenges, and what the you know the big limiting factor there is that you know I'm I'm in Vegas most of the time. My son started preschool, and like a couple of years ago when I when I played challenges, I had left the country for five months and played a bunch of challenges. But that's not what I, I it's harder to do now. And I, so I'd really like to be able to find challengers that that could play me on. I mean, really, WSOP.com is the only legal option here in Nevada for now, although I think more are being added. Um, I would really like to find a challenger uh, or two or three that could play me from here. It might not be possible. And so then maybe there are some trips, maybe there are some compromises for me in some way to find action. And then if I can't find action, you're right, I, I need a project. Um, and, and while, I mean, I still have run ones training, I still have run ones poker to focus on, but um, I don't know. I want to play poker. I want to get back. Let to me, poker. let me ask about it. So, yeah. uh, you know, what is it about heads up and is it specifically heads up PLO or is it like PLO and no, but what is it about heads up? Cause I mean, back in the, you know, you've played a lot of different forms of poker, but it seems like it's like, if I'm going to play, I want these heads up challenges. So what, what is it about that? Yeah, Why do you want to do that? Things that I really like about it. One, which, um, is new for me as a parent is, and with businesses is like, I like to have a schedule. Um, I don't like the, uh, you know, just be available. And if a game's running, then I hop in. And if it's not, I just sit there on my hands doing nothing. Um, I find that, yeah, I, I really like having a schedule, but I don't know. I find like my favorite part of poker is getting to know the way that my opponent plays and thinks, um, and then making adjustments to that. And that's obviously you can do that in, in, you can do that in full ring games if you're playing with the same people a lot, but you know, there's nothing like heads up. Um, my expertise is PLO, but I mean, I would play, I would play no limit or half and half if I thought, you know, it was like a fair matchup. I'm not going to, you know, play Linus heads up, no limit. But, um, but if, if I could find challengers that, you know, if I gave it a couple months of, of good hard study, I, you know, had a pretty good chance or felt like I, I could do well, then, then I absolutely, I'm not restricted to PLO. But, um, but my problem is I've, I've, I've won a bunch of these challenges and people actually, people, I have a lot of respect as a player, but I actually have too much respect as a player. People think I'm better than I am. And they're just like, and also they think I'm, um, 
like too sharp. Like if I'm, if I'm, if I'm betting on myself against somebody at no limit, then I must like, I must, I must be able to do it. Um, yeah, you're four for four, right? Four for four with the challenges. Yeah. Yes. Four for four. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's funny that you say that. I think that's actually something almost for sure that I think people that came in our generation, so to speak, like guys before solvers, even if you're not going back, like still guys who came up with online, but it was before solvers online or live versus people who are training today. I mean, I would not necessarily, right. There's always exceptions to any generalization, but I mean, I would guess for sure that people from our generation are going to be like better at just at exploitative adaptations because that was like essentially what we were doing. Right. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's not it's not like there was, you know, people had their theories, but people who actually thought that whatever theories were, you know, GTO or something, it's like, oh, the balance versus exploitative. There's just people's theories about that. Right. So. So, yeah, well, you know, at the end of the day, the people that had a lot of success, I feel like in our generation were the people who learned what their opponents were doing and started taking advantage of it, whether they were really good or, you know, obviously when people are bad, that's not as difficult. But yeah. So. Yeah. No, well yeah, said cool. for sure. I mean, that's what we were kind of selected for in the in the, in the yeah. Process. Whereas I feel like today the whole learning process is hey, like learn and try to, you know, emulate and reproduce GTO. I'm not saying that they're not exploiting, but it's kind of a different process, and I it's hard for me to believe that you know top players that are learning in the last four years on solvers are going to be as good at exploiting. But you know, I mean, I'm not saying there aren't exceptions, but yeah, no, it seems right. like it. Yeah, it's more that today you can you can succeed without being good at it. Yeah, um, whereas probably you couldn't in, in in our day. And and Phil, so you're you're when you do decide on you know the next the next thing or the next, how do you like if you structure a challenge like how do you sort of um, I mean, are you, what is the actual current offer? Like I remember at times you were saying I'll play anybody, and these say like. How do you actually do the handicap someone that wants to play? Or like when you, you, mm -hmm. you give it a lot of thought or is it just like a quick, like, all right, this guy, I think this and that, and this is what I know. Cause just like people may think you're sharp, you know, someone's coming out looking for you. You got to be a little worried, right? Cause you realize that's not like a normal thing. People aren't like actively hunting <laughs> you down to go heads up. Like there's better yeah. things I think you could do. So, you know, how, how do you, uh, how do you sort of um, weed that process or is it just so unique because there's so far few in between that you address it as it comes? Yeah. I mean, so the first time I, I kind of threw the challenge out there and had a lot of interested parties. And so I was kind of just negotiating with each of them and, and pick the matches that, that I liked uh, with all, I mean, not necessarily the ones that I had the highest edge in because some, like some could play bigger and some were like, I wanted a mix of, of, of different like types of players. Um, now yeah, I mean, you, I, you I, definitely I, got that. It yeah, was an interesting I, mix. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. anyway, sorry. Uh, yeah, no, but I, I, so I, I mean, I would just, mostly people would reach out to me and say, Hey, what would you lay me to play whatever? And then I'd usually just, I mean, I'd take some time. I would take, I don't know, take 20 minutes and think about it. And then I would answer. <laughs> <laughs> I, my expectation of that amount of time was above, uh, yeah. 20 minutes. I, yeah. I feel like taking 20 minutes to answer a text is like, I don't know. Maybe I'm partially autistic, but it feels normal to me. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is. It is. But, I, yeah. but I just mean like there's not – all you have to do is figure out – you have to estimate a win rate, and then you have to go into 
whatever it is, the variance calculator, and see how, how often you're going to lose if you're right about the win rate. And that's, I mean, and you use your judgment to say what's a fair line and, or, you know, obviously like I'm, I'm, I'm offering lines that I think are plus EV for me generally. Um, but I'm, but I'm trying to be reasonable and obviously nobody has to accept. Is the variance calculator that you're referring to, is this a public online tool, kind of like pro poker tools? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's can the fans uh, at home get the URL for this? Yes. It's, uh, it's, I think primedope.com and then one of the things is a variance. One of the tools they have on there is a variance calculator and you just put in a win rate um, and a standard deviation and then number of hands and it'll tell you how often you're going to end up a winner you know, over that sample. Oh, nice. Yes. That looks... I'm looking at it right now. P pull it up on the thing. Right Prime, on the... Yeah, right when you pull it up, I mean, there's a really cool looking graph. Like right away with with uh, I mean it's a visual image that already like feel like it already teaches a lot. It's primedope.com. Yeah, I, I've I made a lot of headway in my career with just like publicly available URLs. I mean, oh, like yeah. my, my learning mixed games was like me going to propokertool.com and putting in like third and fourth street odds and then like thinking about it. I mean, that was yeah. like me learning mixed games basically. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work for me. So, <laughs> very interesting. All right, yeah. and uh, well, and, and then and then playing with yeah. with good good players, yeah. you know. So, getting my ass handed to me and stud high by guys who are really really good and being like, "Oh, what's going on there?" Okay, but yeah, yeah, that's a great way to learn, honestly. And what about tournaments? Do you have any itch from tournaments anymore? I know Poker Go locally there. There is some some higher stakes PLO tournaments that have gone on. Obviously, the World Series. There were some big buy-in PLO tournaments. What about what about tournaments? Is that in part of your part of your mix right now, or, or not so much on the radar? Not on the radar right now. I mean, I it is like if I end up with no ability to get online action, um, then it, if I want to play poker, it becomes something I need to think about. Um, because it is here in Vegas. Um, it doesn't, I mean, it, it is scheduled, which is kind of nice, although the schedules are, you know, it's a little more grueling. Um, but yeah, it's something that I would have to think about. I mean, the thing is, I, I'm, look, I, I went, I, I wasn't playing much poker and I studied Heads Up PLO and I got good at Heads Up PLO. So I could do that again with a different format, but it is, I'd rather not have to learn, you know, like tournaments are completely different format i mean even so plo tournaments i probably do fine but if i want to play in any of the the no limit tournaments like i feel like i'm starting from scratch almost so it's a, it's a lot of work i'll i'll give you some just like personal how i feel right as somebody who kind of took a step back wasn't playing that much i mean i did play more tournaments than you but i'll tell you like wsop tournaments are it's it's like a way back time machine a little bit it's pretty nice like you're going and I mean, it's just not really about playing GTO at all. Right. I, I mean, like people are kind of, especially like the sub 10K ones, like people are making all kinds of mistakes and it's just about like, okay, so this is how I try to play against this guy, you know? So yeah. I don't know. I mean, it, they're fun. Yeah. yeah. And they have like PLO and some other stuff. You could probably find like a good little mix during the, during the series and you know, whatever. Yeah. I mean, it's like somewhat low risk. You know, you can't win. It's pretty hard to win a million dollars, but you know, it's also like impossible to lose a million dollars. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, Phil, your your uh, plans in terms of like, I know you had this you had this challenge, and I I literally don't know because this thing with Brandon Adams is actually a friend of mine. I didn't talk about it. I know you guys were playing at resorts. What what was that even about? Like you guys were it was there was a discrepancy about some time and stuff. But what was uh, what was that like? And how did you choose resorts? Like they they hosted it or. Well, could you give me just like a little bit of details on it? I, I, I'm like the most anti-controversial guy. I really don't know. I just remember hearing. I know there was an argument. I think it got resolved. But like all in all, did that all kind of get sorted out and that work was work out? Because I really don't know what happened. Yeah, yeah, it all, it all got resolved. We um, so we kind of picked resort. I mean, I was just asking around for people that wanted to host it, and I don't know. Got got connected to to a poker manager at Resorts World who was really cool and and made it nice and comfy um so we kind of picked there wasn't you know super strategic um we we had a we had a disagreement about um i mean in short we had a disagreement about using so we had we had shot clocks for each decision and we were playing a certain number of hours and we had disagreement about you know how to use the shot clock like what's allowed within you know using your time frame and i actually went in with i kind of went into the match assuming that I mean, obviously I'm biased. I'll give my, I, I assumed that, um, you know, he used the shot clock to his advantage because we set up rules for it and that's what you do. Um, and pretty early on, it became clear that he was like taking, he was taking more time than he needed to in a lot of spots and kind of, and being kind of obvious about it, which, which I was fine with. Um, and then there got to a point in the match where it became advantageous for me to do so. And I did. And he was not happy with it because I was doing it like he wasn't happy because I was doing it more like he didn't really say he was doing it, even though it was obvious, but I made it obvious that that's what I was doing. And so then he, he took issue with it. And I think kind of my whole stance is, you know, if I knew if he was doing it and I knew he would in a, in an end game scenario where it would benefit him, I just have to protect myself and do the same thing, but he didn't agree. Anyways, we got some arbitrators and uh, and resolved it, and uh, actually ended up we we actually ended up making a kind of like settlement agreement on the match because we got very close to the end. I had a small lead, and Brandon basically said, you know, this is like we were we were playing a really weird end game scenario where it wasn't really playing poker. It was it was like heavy ICM implications essentially um, as we counted down the number of hands left. And he said, like, you know, I studied a lot of heads up PLO because I wanted to test myself at heads up PLO, not this thing. And so he offered um, that we we had a we had a weird kind of um, well, a weird stipulation of the bet where if I lost the live match, we would play an online match. But if I won, we would we would not. And um, so he just said, how about we wash this? So I was probably like a three to one favorite at the time to win the match and the side bet. Um, he said, how about we wash this? You know, you, you take the amount that you're up in the cash game, but, but we, we washed the, the rest of this and we, and the side bet, and then we just play the online match. And so that's what we did. Interesting. And that, so that, that is all finished now. You, you did play online and was that public yeah. or was that not public online? Yeah. Match? yeah we played online on WSP.com. We, we only, only ended up streaming one session. Okay. Um, of the, I think we played like six sessions. Um, and I ran hot. He called it quits early in the in the online match. He uh, genuinely ran. I ran super hot. 
Right. So I, here's the question about that format. Like, so why bet on, why not just like agree to play an amount of hands and just have a buyout if somebody wants to stop early as opposed to like betting? Cause then you do create this weird ICM where you also win a certain amount of money by like being ahead after X number of hands, which is antithetical to at least cash game play if somebody wants to do that. I mean, you could want to play that format. I'm just, so like, yep. why choose that format then? Do some people like it? Do you like it or what? You know, it's funny. I don't like it. I don't think anybody likes it, but <laughs> it is, um, it is more, um, it is more entertaining. And so a lot of the matches were streamed online and, and it's, it's good to be able to have a, a true winner. And sometimes, I mean, in some cases it came down to the wire. Um, but I agree that it's not like, it's not as fun for me. It, it was, it was interesting. Like I, when I, especially in the first match with Venny, where it actually came down to the, the final few hands. Um, you know, I, I'll probably never play poker like that again. It was a very interesting spot that I found myself in and had to think of things that I probably will never have to think about again. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think in, I would definitely consider for future challenges um, the, the format you suggested, where it's just a buyout if you don't finish the hands. Um, but it's a little worse for entertainment. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Very interesting. Yeah, that was that was interesting. And and Brandon though, because I mean he's so I guess I I guess my my question is like these are these a lot of times it's just a challenge. People wanna, you know, because you are kind of have thrown on this, similar to like the duel or one of these things. Cause like again, these are these are top ranked players or guys that think they're great for the most part that are playing you. What is the lore do you think for someone to want to play you? I mean the I guess it's like you're handicapping though, correct? So it is kind of fun. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. you're like getting to to sort of see if you can get a good deal per se. Maybe they're your worst. Um, but there's some big gaps on some of these abilities, right? So, you know, are you, do you like more of the closer edge gap or do you like sort of like when, you know, Bill or someone who just comes in and is like trying to fire and go for it? And Or is that even scarier, right? Because there's like a bigger skill gap maybe you're giving that might not be right. Yeah, I mean, I... I like action. So whatever I can get, but it is, you know, some people came in because I was laying long odds, like my match against chance and bill. I think they both had four to one odds for different numbers of hands. And, um, in the online match, I think I'm forgetting now, but I think Brandon in the online match had four to one as well. Um, for all different number of hands. So like there are some long odds ones. Those are a little, yeah, a little scarier, but I think I like, honestly, like, I like um, I like the close matches because what, what I enjoyed about the beginning is that I was the underdog, and I know and it's kind of a fun place to be fighting from and and working and studying from. Whereas um, you know lately I haven't been, which is I mean still you know it's it's nice to play with it with an edge, but yeah, you 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 know I I lay odds to account for that already. For sure, very very interesting. And what about what about um, NFTs and such? Are you are you involved? You know, this is Ras and I are pretty into it. We like it. We talk about it a bit. Is this something that have you thought about? You know, doing. Have you studied on up on NFTs? Do you dabble at all? You, you are you bullish bearish? Give us a little bit of a sort of that that genre crypto NFT sort of world. What what your thoughts are? I mean, I, I probably know. I probably know way too much about it for the amount of, that I dabble, which is like not at all. Um, Cause I find it really interesting. Um, and the reason I don't dabble more is that it just seems um, well, kind of the same reason that I 
don't want to go like play tournaments now. It's just like, I feel like there's a big learning curve, a steep learning curve, and I don't have that much time. Um, but I'm, I guess I would say, I mean, I think my view is probably like a, a not super nuanced and kind of common view, but, uh, you know, very bullish on the space as a whole. Uh, but there are so many new projects and so many talented people out there in the world that it's kind of, it's a little scary to bet on any individual, uh, or most of the individual projects. Do you have, give me a, give me a, something we want to do with every guest is a BTC and Ethereum price prediction for end of 2022. I, I want to do that. I just think that's fun. Give me a, give me an idea of where you really, your head's at. Give me, give me a, give me a prediction now. You're one of those guys that might just. Wait, hold on. Before we get a prediction, let's get, cause you just asked them like, Hey, what about NFTs? But then, okay. So let's get an intro, another 30 second intro on like crypto. Like you're, you're involved with crypto. You own some, you own nothing. I mean, that matters for hearing the prediction, you know, like, I mean, <laughs> I'm uh, I own more than nothing, but I don't have a significant portion of my net worth uh, in crypto. So, like most, most so you're in. So you're in there. Okay. You're so you're, you're, you're down there. You're following. You're dabbling. Okay. So price yeah. prediction. Um, okay. I mean, I, I'm clueless when I like. I have no confidence in my ability to predict price. But those are the say, scariest guys. Those are the guys that get it right. So that's <laughs> you're, we're going with you. Okay. So it's end of the calendar year. Yeah. Okay. Um, the U.S. calendar, not to be confused with the Chinese New Year that just hit. It's the year of the tiger. I'm born in '86. Okay. I'm pretty fired up about 2022 personally, but the the U.S. calendar year, yeah. Okay. Man, I don't know. Uh, Bitcoin 110. Nice. And okay. Ethereum. The man is the man is not bearish. You might have a little more in the devil. This is like he's really considering this. This is well, I, you know, you have to yeah. I'll go I'll go seven. I don't really I, know. This. I'll say this as a as a massive bull, I am like like long term bull, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do think predicting short term prices is and I've dabbled in trading is like fucking yeah. I mean I listen, there's guys who are world class at it, but it's it's a tough game. Uh I I, we'll see what happens this year. I think it's just going to be an interesting. I mean, we've had like a secular bull market for like 14 years. And it's one of those things where they're raising interest rates, like stocks might stop going up at least, you know, temporarily. Like I'm not saying, you know, but you know, maybe they go sideways for two years. We'll see what happens with crypto during that environment. Um, you never know, though. You know, I mean, there's there's a whole bunch of other factors like other countries start adopting, you know, spot ETF approval. Like, it, it, there's a lot of stuff that can happen. Just people want to stop selling at 50, and you know, people keep buying. You know, it's it's hard to say. Or you know, the market crashes. So, I, I was curious what you're going to say because, like, honestly, if somebody came on and said like 34k, and someone says 110k, it's like I actually think they're all like totally yeah. reasonable guesses based on the way the rest of this year plays out. But yeah. Yeah, so no, always going to be right, Ras. We're going to get yours every time because it's going to update. We're going to have guests because we are committed and we're driven men. What's, and we're what's mine? Your current guest today. End of year. I'm going to go. Uh, end of year. I'm going to say. Uh, I'll go 60k. I'll end go 60k end of year. And Ethereum. 
You guys are pain. I'm just going to rip four. off number like a 60 and four, 60 and four. I don't know. I, I, yeah. All right. 88 K and 7,700. That's so I'm, I'm going, I'm well, here's the I'm thing. ATHs, baby. I almost like if it's an all time high, like end of year's all time high. I almost like Phil's guess like more. That's what I was it's thinking. Like, like, we're not yeah. going sideways for like two years. And then it's like, we're going to pause at like 80 fucking 5,000 for very long. That's not happening. When, when like 70 breaks, We'll be over a hundred pretty fast. So I, I my opinion. I agree. But, except I but, think it's gonna have to get caught right in that time. So zone. I kind of mm-hmm. feel like it's like you're either kind of guessing somewhere in the like sixty-five to like thirty-five band, or you're you know, it's like total breakdown, or which I'm not on that camp, or it's like uh, you know, like Phil said, like breakout. But Listen, not like guys, you can your, your guest is like mid breakout. Like everyone you're really trying gets, to hit it on the way up. I have a number rest. I like yeah. my guest. I'm you heard it here first. How about 88k and 7700? That's what I believe. And Mix it looks if it's ATH, Rash, should we do a giveaway? Should we commit to a giveaway if BTC and ETH are at all time highs at this day on January? Phil, Phil just so? wax Phil waxed on about like poker and this, and it was very interesting. But you know, I, I'll wax on a little bit about my BTC price predictions because I do spend a lot of time thinking about that. But yeah, I, I'm gonna commit to a big giveaway, something we're gonna do something special. I'll just I'll <laughs> leave it at that. You can whatever you think special is if BTC I, I tag on, I tag on with you, Jeff. Yeah, whatever, whatever we'll you want to away. do. I'm, I'm a fire you. sale out here. If that stuff's at all time high, we'll call Phil in too. This is your special way. We'll probably give away some PLO courses as well. And High we'll energy giveaway. Yeah, that's your specialty. You, yeah, you I, do, I do like giveaways. <laughs> Listen, guys, the, the good news is we are we are going to be um, probably having Phil on for multiple times. This is big free. And like Rast and I, we've been struggling to get some episodes off the ground. We got a system in place. We're going to be knocking them down. Phil will be a repeat guest. Rast, do you have any other things you want to ask Phil? I'm sure there's a lot. We only have a couple more minutes here because we're on tight schedules. And uh, from from Phil's side, more importantly today, it's Valentine's Day as well. Our ladies need some love too. So let's be let's be cognizant of that. And and Rast, you want to get one more question before we let Phil ride off in the sunset and do a nice romantic Valentine's Day setup? Wow, man, that's that's high pressure right there. I, I, <laughs> yeah, um, I, dude, I've been enjoying the conversation. Ed, do I have a specific question? No, no, man. I don't. I don't have one. Right, I'll ask you. Yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll, listen, this is you know this is not a hobby for me, so I'll, I'll go out with a closing question for you, Phil. As a father, and as uh, Farah and yourself both play, you know, poker. You enjoy poker. How? Give me like one closing learning or experience you've had as a. Your, I believe your son's two, three, or right around there, three, two and a half. Three, yeah. Yeah. So same age as my son. Give me a tip. Give me like sort of like what has been like the, the most difficult or challenging, the sort of like a learning you had as a parent with who someone who loves poker and wants to play. What Like a schedule tip or just something that was harder than you thought or maybe not as hard as you thought. I think it, it's just don't underestimate um, the impact of your like basically the difference between your A game and your C game um, when it comes to energy sleep and you know the time in your your day that you play i've so often i I found in some of my challenges where i would like wake up early with my son and i have like three meetings that are not like hard intense but like you're you're talking for three hours um about the business and then i would play and i just play badly um it's very easy to underestimate like because yeah 15 years ago you just show up and play and everybody's so bad you know it doesn't matter 
<laughs> matters a lot now. And uh, yeah, there's there's a big difference, and and you got to be cognizant of, of of where your mind's at. I I think it. I love that answer, and but I think you're not even doing it justice. I think 15 years ago, we're at a place in our lives where it's like yeah. on and off, which I actually love the on and off, which is why I could never get into the business thing that you're doing. Mm-hmm. I like being off, you know, like running a business is like you're on all the time, right? Yep. And now obviously a family is like that too, but you know, family's family, business is something you're doing for money kind of and whatever other reasons, but but yeah, but it's like, so you're on, 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 then you go and have to be super on playing and it's just some of the battery could be tapped, especially if you're not well rested and all that stuff. Whereas, you know, back in the day, it was like when you were done playing, you hung out, you played video games. I mean, you're kind of off, you know? And so then when it's time to be on, you've got your, you're charged up and like ready to go. You know, yeah, it's, well, it's a life difference as well, I think. But here, here's, I actually, Jeff's question made me an addendum question that I want to know. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, as your son gets older, what is going to be your approach with regards to poker and your son or even whatever children, if you end up having more? I mean, it's going to depend on his interest. I think, you know, whatever he wants, I'm not going to hide poker from him by any means. I'm not going to force it on him. I think I'll teach him poker for sure, just because I, I think it's a fun and interesting game. And I think it, it, it teaches you a lot of things, but there'll be no pressure in either direction for me, certainly. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, listen, guys, this has been a treat. I think we, we've learned a lot. We've covered a lot. And we will, like we said, Phil will hopefully be on uh, at least maybe early in the new year. We can we can talk about our price predictions and do a 2023. And Big Free will be, be flush with episodes and guests. And Phil will be maybe one of our first repeats. So, Phil, thank you. Big Free podcast episode number four in the books. Brian Rast. Jeff Gross, Phil Galfon. We'll be back for more and we do appreciate it. Make sure you check out Phil's course. Phil, how much is it? It's uh, it's currently what? $15.99, $16.99? during early access, which uh, should be for another little while. I mean, month or two. It depends on when this gets released. All right. That's, uh, that is the, this is PLO with Phil Galfon, the man, the myth himself right here. It's on there. Run it once. Appreciate Phil. Appreciate Rass. We'll see you guys soon. Thank you so much. Big three. Episode four is out. Peace.